0: Let's stand, we'll have a word of prayer, and ask the Lord to uh, meet us. Father, thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning that you've given to us to come together as a church to worship, to sing your praises, to be drawn to you, and Lord, we pray that you would just uh, meet with us in a very special way. I ask that, God, you would uh, be with the Barillas and use them, help them to uh, continue to serve you there in Cameroon faithfully, and we thank you for their faithfulness over the years, and pray that you would be with Rachel and Jocelyn as they need to nail down salvation testimonies and recoveries and different things that are there. And God, we pray that you would uh, put your hand upon every aspect of this service to bring glory and honor to your name. And we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Well,
2: good morning. Happy uh, Palm Sunday to all of you. This is when uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And Hosanna is being exclaimed. That means, O Save. It's a declaration of adoration to our King. And a lot is going to happen between this Sunday and next Sunday, but we're going to worship our King this morning. So join together as we sing, Rejoice the Lord is King.
3: Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. May the Lord prosper his word, whereto he sent it. You may be seated.
0: Last week, a bigger screen for you to look at, but right now you have no sound, which might actually be a blessing, you know, if you, uh, you can decide if it's a blessing or not when you get to the end of this service and uh, let you know. So we are back to actually taking up an offering, which is an exciting time for us. We're looking forward to that. And uh, so if I can have the men come forward. So Brother Chuck's walking up on my right-hand side. If you don't already know, he's been diagnosed with, uh, with cancer of the bone marrow. Am I saying that right, Brother Chuck? And uh, so uh, we're praying for Brother Chuck that, uh, so I'm gonna share this news with you. You probably saw it on Facebook. Robert was, you know, they thought he had, had bone cancer along with, with his kidney cancer, but they've ruled out bone cancer. He does not have bone cancer. So that's a direct answer to our prayers. And we're praying for Brother Chuck that uh, they say this is not curable, but only treatable. But uh, they don't know our God, so we're asking God to cure, right? In uh, the meantime, he's started already procedures, and uh, how's that going, Brother Chuck? Yeah, all right. So he's going to pray for us and ask God to bless the offering. We
2: love you. Uh, We thank you that you love us, and uh, you bring things into our lives to cause us to come closer to you. Pray for those who are struggling with so many things today. Pray that you'll bless them, comfort them, and be with them. Thank you for the opportunity we have to worship together, to care for each other, and to fellowship. Pray that you'll bless this offering as we take it. Use it to further your ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, Ms. Kirsten. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he does. Looking forward to celebrating that this week and next Sunday. Keep singing about Jesus being king. And uh, next song we'll sing together, "Oh, Worship the King. song we'll sing this morning. I belong to the king. I'm a child of his love and he never forsakes his own.
1: I belong to
2: go and stand and we'll sing one more song this morning. It's a new month, so we have a new hymn of the month. This is a pretty short song. It's just two stanzas or two lines. There's four verses of it about what today being Palm Sunday and Jesus' entry and then chanting Hosanna to the King. Uh, we're going to learn it together. Uh, so we'll sing the first verse a couple times, then we'll sing that second verse of Hosanna to the King. Right, maybe. Well, all right, but there it is. That's the first verse. Uh, we'll try that again. Here we
1: go on that first. Hosanna to the noble King Who right down all this town. The blessed one day David's life This joyful day is crowned
2: All right, we'll try that second as the last.
1: Hosanna!
4: better find something and so uh, I uh, picked a song uh, realizing all the other families that are going through their journey with the big C and uh, I hope that this uh, encourages you uh, as it uh, has me. Our joy, our hope of life eternal. He is the rock, the solid rock on which we stand. Even when I cannot see tomorrow, his word is like a lamp unto my feet and when the laughter turns to sorrow in his embrace we find his grace when we are weak he is our strength he is our fortress we can be sure we are secure within his hands
1: He is
4: our joy Our hope of life eternal He is the rock The solid rock on which we stand And when the storms of life Surround me And when the winds of sorrow This one thing.
0: have had, you know, Brother Ryan mentioned the big C, that's cancer, if you didn't know that already, and it's been an unusual uh, time for our church, I think Kim probably started it this last year anyway, and then moved on to Andrea, and to Rob, and and, uh, to Chuck, and I don't know if there's others, as soon as I start naming names, it's always dangerous. In our church, you know, historically, uh, we haven't had a lot of this in the last 32 years and so uh, that makes this last year or so very unique uh, but Miss Andrea praise the Lord is uh, pretty much cancer-free waiting yet to have a five-year waiting period for all that to happen and that she rang the bell this last week and so we're excited about that praise the Lord Miss Kim's still battling right so you're doing okay Miss Kim still battling and uh, you already know about Rob and Chuck we brought you up to date on those so um Anyway, so pray for one another. There's a lot of a lot of stuff for us to go through. This is everybody, and uh, this is kind of nice. Remember when we just do this all the time? Set up chairs in the back and do all that kind of stuff, and it's fun. There's still plenty of wood. Uh, we're we're down a little bit. People are gone because it's spring break still. Last weekend of spring break, some people went to Pensacola to make college visits and things like that. And so we know there are people that are out, but uh, you know you're here, and we're excited about it. Uh, the reason, you say, Pastor John, why don't we just do this then? We can fit everybody in. We can. The reason is so that you feel free to invite people to come as visitors and they can actually sit with you. And And I'm just telling you, you know, statistically, when a church is this full, that's as full as it's going to get. Now, they'll, they'll pack in tighter for holidays like Easter and Christmas, uh, but the reality is people don't sit shoulder to shoulder on a regular basis. That's just not what people like to do. And so, uh, you know, we're trying to accommodate growth and make that possible for you to feel free to invite people. So anyway, my Sunday school class, can I just talk about it for a second? We started up last Sunday. We had, uh, so we had one, two, three, four, four more that uh, came in first timers uh, today. And so that was exciting to just have all of those things just happening and and uh, there's a couple more that still, are, I just talked to somebody on the way between these services. I'm like, we want to do something like that. We're ex- interested in it. So uh, we're excited about the possibilities of what was going to happen with this. This is uh, that young married. It goes from engaged to uh, married with young children. That's basically what it is. Uh, and so uh, it's just been a really great class. We've already just about outgrown our space at least, I like to sit in a circle and have conversation, and uh, we may have to go to Rose and have conversation somehow. I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Uh, it's it's going to work, so exciting times. So this is Palm Sunday, and uh, this is really, as we set up uh, the beginning of what, what's known as Passion Week, that's uh, tonight, we're going to march ourselves through Passion Week. We just are. We're just going to march ourselves through it. I mean march, uh, because in the Scripture, it's three chapters of the book of Matthew, Uh, that kind of marches you through it. Uh, And uh, it's really, uh, a lot happens, and so we're going to hit the highlights tonight of Palm Sunday. Uh, Next Sunday is Easter. We've got a lot of things going on Sunday night. We'll have the Lord's table together. And so if you're available on Easter Sunday night, uh, then we invite you to begin now to prepare for the Lord's table. And it'll be a great time. We're in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 and I'm going to tell you right up front that uh, right, we're going to read a passage of scripture and then I'm going to read to you. And uh, I'll read to you as best I can in a way that will be interesting and exciting. I'm going to read to you something uh, that I, I wish I had memorized, you know, I just don't have it memorized, and, but I want to share it with you. It's a good thing when we're dealing with this Sunday, typically, and for me anyway, uh, we try to deal with the crucifixion of Christ on this Sunday and then the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. Uh, and I know that the crucifixion is in between those, right? So, uh, but uh, that's, that's not even so much what we're going to look at today as just um, you know, this concept is found here in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Father, as we look at your truth today, help us to be encouraged by it. If there's anyone here that does not know your Son as Savior, God, may today they recognize how deeply and desperately you love their souls and desire for them to spend eternity with you in this wonderful place called heaven and how you provided for them through Jesus Christ. And I pray that uh, they would know that. For us as Christians, may we know the power of the cross and truly the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus name, amen. The Bible says here, the handwriting of the ordinance is literally the whole of the law. when you get into the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul is saying, why was the law given? Uh, and it's a good question. What's the purpose of the law? Because the conclusion that he's coming to is it is an impossibility for us to keep the law. We can't do it. We're sinners, and we, are, we, we violate the law by virtue of the fact that we are sinners. And then we continue to violate the law literally, uh, physically, and, and you know, actually in violation of the law. And so what's the purpose of the law if we can't keep it? And he comes to this conclusion that the purpose of the law is so that we can find out that we can't keep it. The purpose of the law is it's a schoolmaster to teach us that we can't do this on our own. That there's no way that we're going to start living good enough lives to get to heaven on our own. It doesn't work this way. That we needed a Savior who would step in and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So the whole purpose of the law is to prove to us that we are sinners. And then the law exists as a a list of ordinances which are against us as sinners. It literally condemns us. It shows us that we are guilty before a holy God. It becomes, in this passage, contrary to us. It's working against us. It declares us guilty. It is because we are breakers of God's law that we are never going to be allowed into heaven In that condition. We are violators of his law. We are sinners. He is holy. God just simply can't. You know, some people would like this. It's a nice concept. Why didn't God just let everybody go to heaven? And it is because God is God. Not because God is mean. You understand? God would have to cease to be God to simply ignore sin. God is holy. He is righteous. He is just. And so because of that, his holiness and his righteousness and his justice demands that sin be paid for. Here's the good news. Look at the last part of it. And he took it out of the way. What? All of that which was against us, all of that which was contrary to us, nailing it to his cross. This is what Jesus did when he was crucified for us, He took our guilt, he took our sin, he took our debt, and nailed it to his cross. So that now, whosoever believes on him, puts their faith, their confidence, their trust in the work of Christ on the cross, whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's the great promise. Well, someone wrote a story, and I want to read it to you if you'll let me. And uh, just listen to it. Dwell on the truths of it. It's the truths of the scripture. Just put in story fact. In that place between wakefulness and dreams, I found myself in the room. There were no distinguishing features, save for one, a wall that was covered with small index card files. They were like the ones in libraries that list titles and author and subject, etc., by alphabetical order. But these files which stretched from ceiling to floor. Seemingly endless in either direction had very different headings. Without being told, I knew exactly where I was. This lifeless room, with its small files, was a crude catalog system for my life. Here were written the actions of my every moment, big and small, in a detail my memory couldn't match. A sense of wonder and curiosity coupled with horror stirred within me as I began randomly opening files and exploring their content. Some brought joy and sweet memories. Others, a sense of shame and regret. So intense that I could not look over my shoulder. I I would look over my shoulder to see if anyone was watching. A file named Friends was next to one marked Friends that I had betrayed. The titles ranged from mundane to the outright weird, books I have read, lies I have told, comfort I have given, jokes I have laughed at. Some were hilarious in their exactness, things I've yelled at my brothers, others I couldn't laugh at, things I've done in anger, things I've muttered under my breath to my parents. I never ceased to be surprised by the contents. Often, there were many more cards than I expected, sometimes fewer than I hoped. I was overwhelmed by the sheer volume of the life that I had lived. Could it be possible that I had time to write each of these thousands, even millions of cards? But each card confirmed this truth, for each was written in my own handwriting, each signed by my own signature. When I came to the file marked lustful thoughts, I felt a chill run through my body. I pulled the drawer out only an inch or so, not willing to test its size. I drew out a card and shuddered at the detail of its content. I felt sick to think that each moment had been recorded. an almost animal rage broke upon me. One thought dominated my mind. No one must ever see these cards. No one must ever come into this room. I have to destroy it. In an insane frenzy, I yanked out the file and size no longer mattered. I had to empty it out and burn the cards, but as I took out one drawer to the end and began pounding it on the floor, I could not dislodge a single card. I became desperate and pulled out one card, only to find that it was so strong I could not tear it. Defeated and utterly helpless, I returned the file to its slot leaning my forehead against the wall. I let out a long, self-pitying sigh. And then I saw it. The title said, People I have shared the gospel with. The handle was brighter than those around it. It seemed it hadn't been used much. I pulled on the handle, and a, a small box, not more than three inches long, fell out into my hands, and then the tears came. I began to weep, sob so deep. The hurt started in my stomach and shook through me. I fell on my knees and cried. I cried out of shame, from the overwhelming shame of it. The rows of file shelves swirled in my tear-filled eyes. No one must ever know this room. It must be locked and the key hidden. Then as I pushed away the tears, I saw him. No, please, not him, not here, anyone but him. I watched helplessly as he began to open the files and to read the cards. I couldn't bear to watch, to see his response. And in the moments I could bring myself to look at his face, I saw a sorrow deeper than my own. He seemed to intuitively go to the worst boxes. Why did he have to read every one? Finally, he turned and looked at me from across the room. He looked at me with pity in his eyes. I dropped my head and covered my face with my hands as I began to cry. He walked over, put his arm around me. He could have said so many things. He didn't say a word. He just cried with me. Then he got up. Walked back to the files. And started at one end. He took out a file. And one by one, began to sign his name over mine on each card. No, no, I shouted, rushing to him. All I could find to say was, no, no. As he pulled the card, as I pulled the card from him. His name shouldn't be on these cards. But there it was, written in a red so rich, so dark, so alive. The name of Jesus covered mine. It was written in his blood. He gently took the card back, smiled a sad smile, and began to sign the cards. I don't think I'll ever understand how he did it so quickly. But the next instant, it seemed, I heard him close the last file drawer and walk back by my side. He placed his hand on my shoulder and said, it is finished. How good is our God? The Bible says, this, I, I need a tissue, Chad, I'm sorry, I do this every Sunday, you'd think I'd just take the box. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible says in Second Corinthians 5, verse 21, For he, God the Father, hath made him, God the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So here we are. We're sinners in, in need of a Savior. The law stands against us, proving that we are unworthy of heaven. Our lives stand as a testament against us of everything that we have done, everything we have thought, everything that we have said. And when we come to Jesus and place our faith and our confidence in what he has done on the cross for us, he covers each and every thought, each and every deed, each and every word with his blood. And when God the Father and the law sweeps through our lives to look at our index cards of life, all are under the blood. And folks, that is why this preacher is going to go to heaven one day. Because this week that we remember as Passion Week is that week in which Jesus Christ went to the cross for one purpose, to nail our sins to the cross and make a way for us to be forgiven. That's what Jesus did. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want us to really look at today. And we're going to look at this in lightning speed. There's so much in the Bible about the blood of Jesus Christ. When you read the book of Hebrews, especially chapters 9, 10, right in there, it talks about the blood of bulls and of goats and how that they're not capable of doing what the blood of Jesus Christ is capable of doing. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than all sin. Let me ask you a question. What sin is greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, there's only one thing that keeps us from heaven, folks, only one. And that is an unwillingness to place our faith and our trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. But it doesn't matter how bad anyone else has been. I have no idea the spiritual condition of, of wicked, vile, ungodly men of the past. I can only imagine what it was. But here's what I know that there was a wicked, vile, ungodly man hanging on a cross by Jesus Christ one day. And he said, he looked over at Jesus and said, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus looked at that thief and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I I actually used this uh, at a funeral one time. We had... uh, So... Many of you might remember uh, Jack and Darlene Boswell and their son, Nick, had passed away. And how old was Nick? Do you guys guys remember how old Nick was? I mean, Jack. I'm sorry, Jack. How how old was he? Jackie. That's what I thought, about late 40s, early 50s. And his life was difficult. He had a history of drug use and just all kinds of different things. And and, uh, through all of that, he died. I mean, he, he died. But, the day before he died, I had gone to visit him in the hospital. And Jack trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior in the hospital. Now, I know that I'm about to, I'm about to preach the funeral to all of his friends and family who know the life that he'd just lived. They know it. They know it clearly. And I'm going to stand up and say, He's in heaven! And they're going to be thinking to themselves, uh, Somebody forgot to talk to the preacher. <laughs> <laughs> and so at the funeral, I took us to the passage of the thief on the cross. And I said, I've got some great news for you, because the day before Jack died, in the hospital, he placed his faith and confidence In the blood of Jesus Christ as the payment for his sin. And by the authority of the word of God, you know what happened to all of his sin? To all of his sin debt, it was nailed to the cross. That which was against him is no longer against him. It's been put upon Jesus Christ. And now he's in heaven. That, that's hard to imagine, but literally, so the, the truth is, if in some you know, secret bunker someplace Adolf Hitler called upon the grace of Jesus Christ, we can look to spend eternity with him. That may be offensive to us, but the reality is, we're all offensive to a holy God. That's where we stand without Jesus Christ. That's where we stand without Jesus Christ. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. And what a wonderful testament to the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, just reading that story just overwhelms me. uh, Because I know. I can't remember every moment of my life. But I can remember enough to know that I don't ever want you to see that room. I don't ever want my kids to see that room. I don't ever want my wife to read those files. And yet, my Savior has placed His name across so that my sin, that which was standing against me, has been nailed to His cross, taking it out of the way. I want to talk to you about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ in about ten minutes here, and then we're going to get ready to go. Five minutes. Here's what the Bible says. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. We are in the body of Christ for one by one. Through one way, that is the blood of Jesus Christ. He purchased the church with his blood. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 says, But more than, there's a whole bunch of these, so you can try to turn to them if you want. Or just uh, They might get them all up on the board, so they've got them, we'll see. But more than, being now justified by his blood. And, and again, we have that word that's very important there. We see it a couple times in the scripture. Here it is. It's the word justified. What's important about that word? It's past tense. We are now justified. Not we look to be justified. We are now justified. It's a done deal. Once we are in, the, in Christ, once we have placed our faith in His blood, here's what His blood does for us. We are now justified, past tense, by His blood. That's a done deal. And the, the wonderful, simple definition of justified, I, I like it some argue against it, but I still think it works, is to make us just as if I'd never sinned. I will stand before God justified. Just as if I'd never sinned, because my sin has been taken out of the way, nailed to his cross. That's where my sin is. Just as if I'd never sinned. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood,